You're listening to Comedy Central. March 21st, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Tonight from water.org, Gary White and Matt Damon, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for coming out in the snow, so let's get into it. We're gonna start today's show with HUD Secretary Ben Carson. Not only has daylight savings completely rocked his world, <laughs> but he's also been caught up in a scandal involving the purchase of lavish office furniture. He spent tons of money on this stuff, and his job is at risk, so he thought, why not jeopardize my marriage, too? The New York Times reports Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson blamed his wife... What? ...for the decision to buy a $31,000 dining set for his office. Carson testified yesterday in public before a House panel blaming the wife. The prices were beyond what I wanted to pay. I made it clear that that just uh, didn't seem right to me. Um, and... You know, I left it with my wife. Uh, I said, you know, help choose something. Uh, what I'm trying to say is these bitches be shopping. <laughs> I can't believe. I can't believe Ben Carson blamed this all on his wife. Like, that's such a punk-ass move. His wife better pray that they're never in a hostage situation together, you know? To send a message, I'm gonna have to kill someone in this room. Wait, wait, I would like to volunteer my wife. <laughs> but let's go from the guy who's sleeping on the couch tonight to the guy who sleeps on the couch every night. First, it was the apprentice contestant, then it was the adult film actress. Now it's the former Playboy Playmate filing a lawsuit linked to President Trump. The porn star Stormy Daniels released results of a polygraph test as proof that she's telling the truth about sex with Trump. The former Playboy model Karen McDougal now suing a publishing company that bought her story and her silence. And the former Apprentice star Summer Zervos winning in court, a judge rejecting President Trump's motion to have the case against him dismissed. A porn star, a playmate, and a reality show contestant. You realize right now, collusion with Russia is the most dignified charge against Trump. <laughs> well, that's at least until Putin goes, not so fast, I have Trump dick pic. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, just quick question. Why does Trump have pictures with all the women who have accused him of affairs? Like, <laughs> no, in every picture, he's posing with them like they're deli owners. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that Trump has actually managed to contain himself, you know? Because you know, deep down inside, he wants to brag about having sex with porn stars and playmates. Like, his lawyers are gonna have to write in all caps on his notes, do not congratulate penis. Don't! <laughs> but let's move on to our main story, Facebook. It's the only website that can both undermine democracy and your belief that all babies are cute. Ugh. Get out of here, you weird-ass baby. Now, as you've probably heard by now, uh, Facebook has lost control of its customers' data, and people are not happy about it. The crisis at Facebook intensifying the Federal Trade Commission, putting new pressure on Facebook over its failure to protect 
user data. Facebook investors are suing the social media company over massive stock losses in the wake of a major data scandal. Zuckerberg has now lost $9 billion in wealth in just the past two days. Oh no! Mark Zuckerberg has lost $9 billion. Now he only has $70 billion. You realize that's barely enough to furnish Ben Carson's office, right? You mean my wife's office. Seriously, Mark Zuckerberg is not having a good day. Things are so bad for him right now that Facebook is showing him ads for Xanax. Just click here, Zach, click here. So let's just take a minute to break this down. Essentially, this is a story involving Facebook and a company called Cambridge Analytica, which I know sounds like a Harry Potter spell that does your homework, but it's actually a data analytics company dedicated to one thing, figuring out how to manipulate you at all costs. Beginning in 2014, many Facebook users were paid to take a personality test funded by Cambridge Analytica, agreeing to give up some personal data. But what they didn't know at the same time, the company was scooping up all of their friends' private information too. So a survey that started with about 270,000 people ultimately collected more than 50 million profiles. All right, I'm sorry, but that's some bullshit, <laughs> right? Because your friend took this dumbass quiz, this company you've never heard of got access to your account? Yeah, it's like your friend bones someone and then you get the STD. <laughs> it's like, what the f man? It was totally worth it. Not for me! <laughs> now... Now, you, you might be saying, what do I care if Cambridge Analytica got my Facebook data? Like, I don't mind that people know that I like Ben Affleck's back tattoo. I think it brings out his eyes. But the truth is, the truth is, in the wrong hands, our data can be used to do some pretty sinister things. The level of what can be predicted about you based on what you like on Facebook is higher than that your wife would say about you, what your parents or friends can say about you. Cambridge Analytica will try to pick at whatever mental weakness or vulnerability that we think you have and try to warp your perception of what's real around you. Okay, now that should scare you. Because if you've seen movies, you know that when the person with crazy hair gets stressed out, something really bad is going down. It's like, they hacked into the mainframe. I wouldn't believe you, but you've got purple dreadlocks. <laughs> and this was really bad. Because sure, some people might say this is just like advertising. It sounds just like advertising, right? They try to get you to buy something by tugging at your emotions. But this is 10 levels above that. Because traditional advertisers don't know who you are personally. Like, imagine if Samsung knew from Facebook data that you lost your dad last week. So they put a message on your feed that their new phone could contact your dad on the other side. You would be way more likely to buy that phone. They would tug at your hostage. You'd be like, Dad, is that you? Oh my God, Dad, is that you? Can you tell me where you left the keys for the Camaro, please? I, um, yeah, I can't find them. All right, bye, I love you. <laughs> like, they could get to you. And we know, we know that Cambridge Analytica got people's data from Facebook. We know that they figured out how to use this data to manipulate people. What you may not know is who they gave all that power to. The data firm hired by Donald Trump's presidential election campaign used secretly obtained information from tens of millions of unsuspecting Facebook users to directly target potential American voters. The entire operation centered around deception, false grassroots support, and a strategy that seems to border on electronic brainwashing. You see, using Cambridge Analytica's tools, Trump's campaign figured out a way to manipulate people, or as they called it, electronic brainwashing, which also happens to be the name of my favorite Daft Punk album. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one, it's the one with that song that goes like, <laughs> no, 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 it's the other one. The one that goes, <laughs> 
Is that the one? No, no, it's the one where it's like, yeah, that one, that one. Here's, here's an example. Here's an example of how the Trump campaign used Cambridge Analytica's tools. Cambridge Analytica figured out that the phrase drain the swamp made people angry at career politicians. And this would make them want to vote for Donald Trump. And I'm not making this up. Trump told us this himself. It was a term that was actually given to me. Usually I like to think I'm up myself, but this was given to me. But they had this expression, drain the swamp. And I hated it. I, I thought it was so hokey. I said, that is the hokiest. Give me a break. I'm embarrassed to say it. And I was in Florida with 25,000 people going wild. And I said, and we will drain the swamp. The place went crazy. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, neither could we. <laughs> you know, you always think it's unrealistic when Bond villains reveal their entire scheme. And then you see this and you're like, yeah. And you see, Mr. Bond, unless someone finds the hidden switch under my castle, no one will be able to stop the bomb. That's why, oh, he's gone. Oh, no. <laughs> so, thanks to Cambridge Analytica, Trump knew drain the swamp would drum up anti-establishment votes. People who might have never voted before. But here's the thing, don't get it twisted. They might be able to use these tools to push you in a certain direction, but they couldn't completely trick you into voting for Donald Trump. And you know how we know this? Because of this. We, we haven't spoken about the fact that Ted Cruz, who was also a presidential candidate, also used Cambridge mm. Analytica. His campaign was a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> All the electric brainwashing in the world can't make people like Ted Cruz. <laughs> Like, you could hypnotize someone. You could be like, you're a dog. Arr, arr. You're a chicken. Bark, 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 bark. You like Ted Cruz. I'm not hypnotized. This is bull. Like, this <laughs> hypnosis doesn't even work, man. Basically, Trump didn't create new fears in people, right? He found a way to appeal to fears and desires that already existed, you know? And, and they used Facebook in the same way that Facebook will be like, hey, remember your friend Steve from high school? Except this time I was like, hey, remember how you're scared of brown people? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna be honest with you. The fact that Donald Trump used Cambridge Analytica's tools isn't the worst thing that happened here. Every politician will use the tools at their disposal to get votes. Obama did a similar thing himself. My problem is with Facebook. They need to be held accountable because not only did they turn a blind eye to Cambridge Analytica using this data, but they also didn't tell their users that this was happening. At the same time though, it's our responsibility to be vigilant. Like in the year 2018, you just have to assume everything you click online, Everything you watch, every website you visit will be collecting data on you. And that data will be used eventually to try and sell you something. Even the people in the places you trust, they're all just trying to sell you something. Never forget that. And now, a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guests tonight are helping millions of people in developing countries gain access to safe water and sanitation through the nonprofits they co-founded called Water.org and Water Equity. Please welcome Matt Damon and Gary White. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you. I, I'm gonna get into the water shortly, but I have to tackle the, the pressing news with you right now, Matt. Um, when did you break up with Ben Affleck? When did that friendship end? 
Are you guys not friends anymore? Unfortunately, I can't seem to shake him. Uh, <laughs> no, it's I've known him since uh, since I was 10, so it's 37 years. I've Wait, known so you guys him. are still friends? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you see, you say that, but my, my, I don't believe a friend would allow a friend to get a back tattoo <laughs> of a colorful dragon. Have you seen this tattoo? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, not, it's not one man's job to tell another man what he can do to his back. I, I, you know, I, I support him in all of his artistic expression. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a good friend, Lance, actually. Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome, Thank Gary. You. Welcome, Matt. Um, you have a project that you started together that really came from two separate projects uh, in and around water, getting water to people. Gary, a lot of people don't realize how uh, pervasive this issue is. Why is water such a big deal? It sounds like a simple question, but why is it such a big deal? Well, it's, it's a huge deal for more than 800 million people around the world who don't know where their water's gonna come from in any given day. So if you think about it, uh, when anybody wakes up in the world tomorrow, nothing else matters to them until they get their water. You know, we get it at the turn of the tap, but for hundreds of millions of people, that's not the case, you know, so women, Tomorrow, we'll spend 200 million hours walking to collect water. Kids won't be in school. They'll lose 443 million school days this year alone because they're scavenging for water uh, because of water-related illness. So that's why it's such a huge deal. It holds families and communities back from economic development and building a better life. It is the basic building block that people need to put in place if they're gonna move forward. And it's interesting you say that because I, the numbers are so high. I, I was honestly shocked at how many people around the world don't have access to water. Mm -hmm. And then you find out how much this actually costs them. Because I just think of it in, in a convenience way. Oh, you don't get it from the tap and you don't get to wash when you want to. You don't have these things. But it actually costs them a lot of money to live this way. Yeah, and in fact, um, in a lot of these communities, one of Gary's great insights years ago was in spending so much time in these communities in the developing world was that the poorest of the poor are paying for their water because they're alive, so they're clearly getting water somehow. Right. And in, in many cases, they're paying 25% of their income in order to secure water. So they're paying 10 to 15 times what the middle class in some, in some of these countries are paying. So it's, it's, we always say it's, it's expensive to be poor. Um, you know, this burden falls on, on women and girls disproportionately. And as Gary was saying, the, all these millions of girls are not in school because their job for the family is to scavenge for water day in and day out. And so you can only imagine what the outcome of their life, you know, these are just right. millions of people not living up to their potential. You, you see a problem like this. For many people, it seems far-fetched. I know as a South African, yeah. it came to the fore with Cape Town. Yeah. So in Cape Town, we're watching a looming day zero, as they call mm -hmm. it, where water is going to run out. And then at that point, people start understanding, oh, there may not be anything, your way of life, no sanitation. People are preparing for riots in the streets. People mm -hmm. understanding that you can't live without water. And yet people mm -hmm. do live like this. Mm -hmm. So when you started this program, you, 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 you had separate programs, correct? Mm -hmm. yes. yes, yeah. And then you, you decided to team up. Why and how? Mm -hmm. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I realized that I could really maximize my impact if I partnered with, with uh, you know, the, the preeminent expert in the space. And when that person wouldn't take my calls, I found Gary. <laughs> so, but, he doesn't know I called Ben first myself. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, like, you... you, you Good to have a plan B. Yes, but you've been, you've been involved in uh, water and access yeah. to water for a very long time. Mm -hmm. How is this even a, an issue that you, that you stumble upon? Because everyone mm -hmm. would think of education, which is very important. Everyone would think of food, which is really important. Yeah. But water, wh why water? 
Well, for me, it was traveling to Guatemala when I was an undergraduate in university and saw the problem firsthand and then came back and started learning about it and how massive it was, to, to your point. But I think the, the redeeming factor about this is that the problem actually contains its own solution. As, right. as Matt mentioned, you know, there's, there's lots of money that the poor are already expending to cope with this cost, actually hundreds of billions of dollars each year. And so what we did was we created water credit so folks could get a small loan. Because the reason they have to pay these water vendors is because they can't get connected to the utility. Right. It costs like a couple of hundred bucks. So we give them a loan so they can get connected and they can buy their time back and work at a paying job and get access to water. This is, so, this is really part of the story that fascinated me. A lot of people may not know this, but you live in a village or in a place where you don't have access to running water. I read one of the stories from your organization mm -hmm. where there was a woman who was paying $60 a month yeah. to get bottled water delivered mm -hmm. to her so that she could have something to drink. Mm -hmm. Through your program, she got a loan to have her own water source yep. and then pays back the loan at 5 or $6 a month. Exactly. Wh right. Which is a, a simple and yet insane concept that nobody has thought of mm -hmm. that. Is, is it that simple, yes. giving access to money? Yes to yeah. make their own water source. Yes, and then, and then they participate in their own solution. They give themselves, they fix their own problem. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it, Gary's being humble. I mean, this was an insight that he had, was basically taking the concepts of microfinance that Muhammad Yunus pioneered and just moving them towards water. And nobody had thought to do that because in a, in a standard microfinance situation, it's an income generating loan. Right. I, I loan you 200 bucks, you buy a sewing machine, you can now have a right, sewing right, business. Right. Mm -hmm. This is an income enhancing loan, right? Because you're buying somebody's time back. There's not, so people, it, it, took, it took the microfinance institutions a little time to kind of get comfortable with that idea. Right, but right, what right. Gary had realized from all of his years doing this was that they have the money, they're paying for water. It's just they don't have the reserve to, to connect to the system. So if we can front them the money to loan it, they can pay it back. And the great news is that these loans pay back at over 97%. I mean, it's an, it's an unbelievable, this has worked so much better than That's we could fun. have ever hoped. Yeah. And, it's, and it's these people, these heroic yeah. people, the poorest of the poor who are doing this. Yeah, and over half the people that we've loaned to, the, the 10 million, uh, live on less than $2 a day. Yeah. So this is a solution that works for the poor. And they've managed so, to pay it back. And yes, they've managed yes, to pay yes. it back and come out ahead because right. they're not spending that $60 anymore. Right. And now they have that in, an extra income. Yeah. Right. right. Because and, the thing is, the, the, we can never work our way out of this problem with just straight charity. There's never going to be enough charity in the world to reach hundreds of millions of people. So we took a more direct approach and said, let's, let's do it this way and, and use the, the markets and the leverage that we can get to help people get water. And fundamentally, it's a bottom-up approach instead of the kind of classic paternalistic kind of handout. Right, out, dropping right. the water to yes. the people, yes. having the water create the water for themselves, having the people create the water for themselves. It's funny because that's part of the story that connected with me the most. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, it was quite normal. We didn't have a flushing toilet, uh, and I would go visit my cousins in the homelands in South Africa, and we would like push a wheelbarrow to go to the place that had a tap, and then we would get all the water. You've seen this in yeah, the villages, yeah, yeah. and then we would take it back, and that's how you'd have the thing. And I remember the day, I remember the day we got the tap in the house. It was a party. Like, it was non-stop. People losing their shit. <laughs> like, wet t-shirt contest for guys. Hopefully you got a toilet then as well. Yeah. No, but it changes people's yeah, lives. Well, and people take this for granted. Yeah, and that's, and that's the, one of the hardest things for us is to try to just explain it here in the West because we can't relate. It's not right. like cancer or AIDS or where people go, well, I have a family member or a friend who's right. been touched by this. You know, this is a, such a problem for so many people, but, we, but nobody that we know, right? And so it's, it, that's kind of the first hurdle we have to clear is just, yeah. is just but that, the, the transformative effect of, of getting somebody that connection is we've yeah. seen it, you know, uh, you know thousands of times. Right. And, 
And just the conversations you have with these kids, particularly these little girls who mm -hmm. suddenly don't have to do this water collection anymore. And I mm -hmm. talked to a girl in Haiti uh, six, seven years ago, and, and I said, what are you going to do with all this time? Like, she was spending four hours a day collecting water, and she, would, she was lucky. She was in mm -hmm. school, but she would go after school. And I said, well, are you going to do homework now? And she looked at me, and she was like, I'm the smartest kid in my class. I'm not, you know, and, and she said it in that way where I was like, oh, she is the smartest kid <laughs> right, in the class. Right, right, right. I said, all right, well, you know, well, what are you going to do with all this time? And she looked at me, and she goes, I'm going to play. Wow. And it was just, it dropped me. I mean, I didn't lose it in front of her, but I was like, okay, thanks. And I kind of like, walked away. I like that you were, you were Jason born in front of her, and then you went around the corner, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> Literally. And she was, but she was, the, she was 13, and I had, my, my oldest was 13. And, I, you know, it's like, so leaving aside the, 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 the meaningless death, the million kids who are dying a year, totally preventably from this, right? Right. There, it's just about, about, you know, giving people hope, giving people a chance to live up to their potential letting a kid, a 13-year-old kid play because shouldn't every 13-year-old kid be allowed to play? Most definitely. And, and you guys are doing things. Like, people have seen the ads on TV um, where, for instance, Stella has these chalices that you can yeah. buy. And if you buy one of these, then they, they provide... Is, uh, did, I, did they say five years? Five years of water for Five years of water if you buy one yeah. of these. Yeah. And if, if people want to contribute directly to your organizations, what, what can they do? Water.org. Yeah. yeah, right there you can purchase a chalice or you can just make a straight donation there. Right, and if, if someone wanted an idea, because people mm -hmm. like knowing that, people want to know like how many dollars a day can help somebody. Mm -hmm. Like how much would an average mm -hmm water project take? Like, how, what, what does it cost the average person? It's, the average is about $25 if you look at it from that perspective. And, and if you look at the, the chalice, what we're doing is it takes only about $3 in donation to leverage that $25 wow. through loans. And so that's why we can reach so many more people. For wow. every, every dollar that we raise, we're leveraging that up because people are getting loans. Those loans get repaid and get recycled and, and more people can get water with the same investment. And it also drives the philanthropic cost of capital per person reach down, right, as that money keeps circulating and mm -hmm. coming back and going out again and coming back and going out again. Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing cause. You guys are doing amazing things. World Water Day is tomorrow, so thank you so much yes, for thanks, being here. Trevor. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. To learn more about their important work and how you can help, go to water.org. Matt Damon, Gary Watts, everybody. Thank you. Yeah. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.